everybody, this is the next episode of Indigenous Vision Podcast. I'm so pleased to be here with Anita Stallion. I'm Suta Collinglass. I'm Melissa, and this is our 14th episode. And yes, we do have a special guest coming all the way from my territory up in Canada. We do have Anita Stallion. Yay! Woohoo! Hi there. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's a little bit cold up here today, but uh, you know what? It's um, cold outside, but as long as you have a warm heart. <laughs> exactly. So you're coming from Winnipeg, which is where I'm from. Do you want to yeah. give us just a quick little rundown of who you are for people who have never heard of you? Because um, we're here in the U.S. I'm Anita Stallion. I was born here in Winnipeg, Treaty 1 territory, which is awesome. We are the proud to be the land of Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Ochi Cree, the Dakota, the Dene, peoples and of course the homeland to the Métis Nation. I was born here in Winnipeg and I was raised in the small community of Duck Bay, Manitoba up north. That's where my family comes from but most of my my time was here in Winnipeg and basically for myself I started performing back in uh, 1998 and I won my first title in May of 1999 which I continued as Miss Club 200. I reigned for 16 months I believe it was. It was from May to September. The following year I ran for Empress of Winnipeg in all of Manitoba with a of the club they were telling me to run and um, so I did that and I was the uh, first uh, indigenous monarch of our of our city which was awesome and I served and raised great money and had a great team of people that helped support me through that year it was a lot of learning uh, you learn a lot about things when you take on such a such a large uh, endeavor and for me that was a large thing so I did that, and then after that, I went on to serving on our International Court Council for the entire court system, which has 70 chapters in Canada, the United States, and in Mexico. I've had a chance actually to visit Phoenix and go to their coronation a few years, for a few years now. So yeah, I was part of that, the, the court council, the higher up council that oversees all the other courts and all the different things that are going on. And you're there as a support to guide them, whatnot, whatever supports they need. I served for them for three years, then came back to basically just working within the clubs. And then I ran again for Empress a second time. So I reigned twice. And that time it was a different, you know, six years later. And then I finished that in 2008. Since then, basically, my, my, my work has been out of Club 200 here in the city of Winnipeg. And then we recently had a formation of a, a collective, a group, the Bannock Babes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that name. So yeah, we had that uh, start up here and it was quite an amazing experience, our first show. And I was actually honored with a star blanket from the group as auntie of the year. So that was a really nice honor. Yes. And since then, we've all been doing different things. We went to Ottawa together as a collective. We performed at the uh, Sinopka Film and Arts Festival in Ottawa. So we performed at the, uh, the Ottawa Arts Centre, which was exciting. Also, our collective was asked to be part of the unveiling of a mural in St. In Boniface here. There was a mural that was painted and we were asked to be part of the unveiling of that mural. So there was drag artists that came together for that. Yeah, we've been doing a lot. And you know, it, it's great to see Indigenous, Indigenous people come together and work together as a group. And we also just recently did a, uh, just really plugging our group. We also did a a piece for the Canadian art magazine for their last issue, which was called Sovereignty. So they did a Q&A with all of us and we did a collective like that. And then most recently we rang in 2021, the Bannock Babes got together. There was a group of about four of us, of course, because of social distancing, we can't do the same things we used to do. But um, yeah, we've done really good as a group. So I think it's really important as Indigenous peoples, we continue to support each other and support each other, especially through through the arts and through these different opportunities that we have to, to support other people. So yeah, that's basically all I've, what I've done in a nutshell. <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't think people understand your iconicness whenever I mention Anita Stallion because I've lived in Winnipeg up until I was 34 years old and you were a staple at Club 200, which was one of my favorite clubs. I had my going away party there when I left the city yes. I always come back and see you and then when you came to Phoenix you came to visit me so you know I, I 
do I do see the the legendary status that you are creating and still in, embodying and like it's really amazing to hear you still thriving and growing and creating being a part of all this amazingness can we talk about when you first started what was it like to be an indigenous uh, drag performer back in like 1998 how was it back then well when I first started there wasn't a lot of performers there wasn't a lot of indigenous performers there was a few but a lot of you know it, it wasn't really I don't know how to put it it was it was it was a very different time i think a lot of the performers back then it was it was it was a tighter knit group in terms of getting in and starting and being part of and i think for me because i did not know a lot of people within the community and within drag it, it was a, it was a real struggle to even figure out what it, what exactly it is or where i seen myself in it it was a little bit tough but at the same time i had really good supports like as you know melissa like club 200 is a very um it's almost like a center point. Winnipeg being a very large indigenous community that we have here per capita, uh, Club 200 as, as a club within that even is more so, I think we serve a lot of the, the Northern communities and the outlying communities, people from Saskatchewan, Northern Manitoba, Northwestern Ontario, all the way, you know, like we have so many different people that come to our club when they come through our city because Winnipeg is a center point. So I think that for me coming into all this, I was excited about that aspect, but also too, I got to meet and have some really great supports from amazing people in the areas around us as well. So it was, it was different. It was challenging, but I enjoyed it and I had fun. It wasn't as serious too, I think. It was more of, um, for me, I took it light. I was very lighthearted about it. And I think nowadays people definitely who are starting drag today are probably a little more serious about it, you know, because back then it was more of a fun thing we did and we were understanding about, you know, the history of drag and it's a lot different today, but I, I think I, I, had a, I had a good kick at it and I'm really grateful for my opportunity. It was different. It was a little lonely back then. Then we saw different performers start coming out and there was different drag artists that were were taken to the stage and but like i said it was different because there wasn't a lot of indigenous performers back then whereas now being part of a group like the bannock babes has given me a totally different view of things you know and the anti-status was awesome because I, I do see myself as that older person and i'm like okay thanks i'll take it <laughs> So yeah, that's, uh, I hope I answered your question. I just You it. did. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, as someone who's been going to Club 200 since I was able to go to the bar, I, I always remember seeing and seeing performances, the person like an indigenous drag queen would come from, you know, maybe like the Thunder Bay area. And you guys would show so much love to them and be like, hey, so-and-so is here from mm -hmm. Thunder Bay and like give them a spot. So I've always associated Club 200 with being like this really safe space for two-spirited indigenous people. Um, how did, did you just naturally flock to Club 200 in the beginning or how did your relationship with them bloom? You know what, interestingly, um, my, this is one of the first clubs I came to. I think I felt comfortable. I think it was a comfort thing for me. And I think that's why I ended up connecting with it so well and connecting with the people because it's the people within the club I find that make it. So I think that that's where my connection with the people made me more tied into it. That's awesome. So let's talk about the Bannock Babes. What is that? This is something new. I've obviously, I've never heard of them since I've left the city, but what do the Bannock Babes do and who are they? Well, the Bannock Babes is a collective. There's, oh my gosh, I think there was 17 or 19 performers that we had when we performed our very first show. We're part of a very, a large group, as you can imagine. And then different sections and different groups do different, we get asked to do different things, take part in different things. And it's all indigenous. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's it's quite spectacular. One of our first things we did was we were asked to do the Asinipka Film and Arts Festival because they had the first two-spirited ball is what they were hosting. And we were asked to perform there. So one of our first shows we did here at Club 200 as the Bannock Babes, we performed, we did a tribute to our queen, Buffy St. Marie, who got wind of it. And we actually recorded that that show for her upon going to ottawa because we were going to be doing some of the same music she actually got in touch with someone <laughs> this is when you know you, you people you know people buffy saint marie got in touch with someone who actually had suggestions for which songs she wanted us to perform in ottawa so that's cool <laughs> wow that's super cool i i love that can we watch that somewhere the Buffy tribute? 
do you know what? I don't know where it is. I'm so terrible with uh, online things. Yeah, the Buffy tribute. I'm sure we could have something for your listeners if we get. I'll have one of my people look at it into it right now. Actually, <laughs> I love how underground like drag can be sometimes. You know, like it's such a it's such a different world. You really have to go seek it out. That's what I've always loved about it. It's different because nowadays, of course, it's becoming a little bit more open, and there's more. It's becoming a lot more mainstream. But yeah, I, I think in the early days, it was something that you didn't see a lot of it was a very you didn't realize who was going to be doing drag and whatnot and where you were going and it was just like get ready go out and do your show and you you know we would go from establishment to establishment depending on where we were doing the show and so it was kind of interesting to 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 be part of that you know whereas now it's a little more mainstream uh, the clubs are not as crazy with people and you know so it's kind of different but drag has become a lot more mainstream now i think where it wasn't as much in, in the beginning. And I think that's one of the, going back to your first question, I think that's where, what's a lot different is the acceptance of drag today is totally different than when I first started. And I think also because of the way it was when I first started, I had a different reason for doing it and we had different feelings towards it. Whereas now I can do drag and rejoice where we've come up to this far but back then it was a little bit of a different feeling. We weren't really rejoicing as much. We were still fighting a lot of the fight of equality for, for people and for especially for those who are testing the boundaries of gender and gender portrayal. You know, so I think that's that's part of the whole thing as well. You just brought back a really great memory I had. And um, my mom adopted my brother, Matt, and I think I must have been around seven or eight. And he had disagreements over the gay lifestyle with his family. And they weren't that accepting. So he stayed with us for a while. And that was my first time ever knowing gay, right? And he had a bunch of friends. I would come by the house and they would just start pulling at my hair and like <laughs> they would pull out all my mom's makeup and i, I this memory that i had which that. was so, it was like 96 or 95 right and i remember them like pushing some some uh eyeshadow into a brush and how shy they were so they they used me like a doll right and then i remember them like touching the eyeshadow on them and it was such a it was such a moment that they were like, are you really gonna do this? Are you gonna do this? They want to, right? They wanted to put makeup on themselves, but they were using me for that little while. <laughs> and I, and they weren't, it wasn't rejoiced. It was kind of, we, it was still like putting your toes in and testing the waters. And, and I think what you said about Club 200 and that support system that you have within that, and then now the Bannock Babes is all what it comes down to is, is if our community is supporting us and if we have that, and so that does bring me to like it, that my equality and, and justice questions, because we do cultural humility trainings as an organization. And that's versus cultural competence, because competence can be dangerous. And I really started questioning. We do this whole intro section of the ground we stand on and different acts that have been put in place. I have two questions. So the first one is has your group because it's been around for a long time right city people city government should know about it provincial government have you guys been tapped into a lot for utilizing your knowledge in drafting legislation or bills or policies that help protect you all you know what i i personally haven't been part of that but i know that a lot of individuals in our city have been part of a lot of that i think that's it's important to have that that side of of the equation and understand those that are going to be most affected are, are involved but i know myself personally i haven't been but i know they have they've reached out to a lot of people and i mean again it's it's not always the attempt may may be there but the success may not show at the end of it all but i know that they have we do have like say for example i know they were talking about the comparisons of our winnipeg police force versus the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. And they were talking about how the, the training and the different things, how the Winnipeg Police Force is actually doing a lot better and a lot and, and bringing in more information for them, for their, for their officers in terms of the education they provide them as they're, they're having new trainees in comparison to RCMP. Now that's from what I, what I read. I believe it was the Winnipeg Free Press that reported that. So I think that there are parts of, parts of things that are, are, are for legislation that are gonna work. And I think it's important for them to continue to try and do that. It's important, absolutely, mm. to make sure that they have 
the right people involved. I'm just not somebody that <laughs> for myself, but I mean, I definitely support those that do it, but I just know, you know where you what works for you. And I, for me, I encourage those people. It's the same thing within our group and within our collective. I was asked a question about where we're going to go or where we see the future of it. And my answer, quite frankly, was I believe that's going to be left up to um, the younger people, those that started to paddle our canoe on our journey in the beginning. We'll, we'll, we'll decide on that. And for myself, I just support the decisions and, and try and be try and be someone that can, you know, they can just uh, bounce ideas off of for suggestions. But yeah. From the articles I've read about you, you ha- you're just your presence. It does a lot in terms of like advocating and representation. So then the, my second question is, so recently, like literally in the past five years, we've added Two-Spirit to the end of LGBTQ and it's adopted. U.S. and Canada. And a lot of people don't understand what Two-Spirit is. And the more I'm talking with people my brother's age, they're like, well, I don't know, I'm Native, but I don't identify with Two-Spirit at the same time. And then there's other people who are like, no, it's this balance. And and I do incorporate that and I do feel it. And then, um, like you see, today's really good. I don't, I don't like brands. <laughs> I think people should pay me if I wear like Nike or anything like that. And so then same same mindset i also don't like to be labeled even though i'm like what they would call like cis female i feel like as a blackfoot female there's something deeper there and i don't know like and i can i think about certain tribes who have like eight different ways to explain what female is and then eight different ways to explain what what masculine is and and we're just much deeper than the eight categories i guess i'm what i'm saying yeah i was just wondering what your thoughts were on that and how we with this attempt to be inclusive so lgbtq two spirit is an attempt to be inclusive right but how do we not exclude people who don't identify under any of those you know i think it's a really tricky thing because i've thought about this a lot myself as well I know when, when the whole, the two-spirited came out, I think initially there was a lot of people that felt if you're Indigenous, you're two-spirited. Even my answer today to you right now, you're always going to get different perspectives because I think also too, because it is still new and it's still fresh, it, there's still perspectives of people's personal opinions that still have to be molded within what people are going to come out with it because it is still very new. And I know, like I said, going to the, the two-spirited ball, we, we did an interview as well with CBC on the same subject and it's, it's how people relate to two-spirited and whether they feel that they fit within that. But it's the same thing. I, I try and explain it in the sense of it's the same thing with the LGBTQ community. For those that didn't fit within those colors of the rainbow, they felt they needed something else or they just didn't feel like they associated with it. They found other parts. So I think that's why that's another reason why we're having a different flags and different, you know, we have a trans flag. We have all these different groups are coming in wanting to be outside of just the regular LGBT cluster of what we've always known. They do want their own identity. And I think that's where True Spirit, I think, also came from that, in my understanding. Actually, Melissa, though, it's, uh, I believe it was Albert McLeod here in Manitoba that uh, is the one that came up with that definition. You might follow up with him a little bit further. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a Winnipeg thing. It like, well, for me, because I was thinking so much about it, because I want to create safe spaces in my trainings. And I feel like that almost is like on the edge of similar to toxic positivity. Like it's all good. Just stay happy, be happy, try to be positive, like keep your mind straight. Like so much of that without acknowledging that there's like periods of uncomfortableness that we're human, right? <laughs> so it, it goes into like toxic inclusiveness, I guess it would be. And in the beginning of trainings, people are like, state your pronouns, state your pronouns. And I'm like, I don't want to. I am a, I'm a female born woman, but I still feel protective over that. And I still feel like it's not something describable as male or female. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'm like, I'm not like confused or anything. <laughs> it's just, I just feel like there's a stronger cultural foundation to the way I'm feeling. We, when we begin trainings with state your name, your pronouns and your land acknowledgement. I also feel like we're forcing people who aren't ready. They're on their own journey. And we're like, say your pronouns. Are you she or he, or would you like they? And, and I just feel like it gets 
kind of, I guess, toxic inclusivity. <laughs> it's like oh, where we can push so far that we start to go the other direction. No, it's true though, what, what you're saying. And that's where I think, like you were saying, not, you're not getting stuck in a label. When you feel you have to, you, you're, you're being asked, especially in the beginning of a training, to state this, 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 and this. Well, you know what? There's still people that may not be sure. And I also think too, I'm, I'm, to add to a little bit of that, especially if someone is feeling uncomfortable, they may just answer what they feel is acceptable to everyone around them visually, which is also not correct. So I think there's, there's it's tough. And it is, you know, that's why I always say, you know, this is an old dog and I'm learning new tricks because there's always things we're going to learn and there's things that we have to learn about, especially the newer generation and the younger generations coming up that are learning things or feeling ways and, and ex being expressive. Within our community, we've always encouraged people and we've always wanted people to have the opportunity to speak and you know to, to share themselves and be themselves well now that we are having younger people coming up who do have different different opinions or may not totally agree with certain things i think that's where our community or the gay community as a whole is changing because it's got to look at you know we've got to understand how we are accepting and and understanding and respecting these individuals and in, in how they feel and their pronouns or how they feel they wish to be acknowledged or not like if, you know what it's such a it's it's a tough thing but you know what i think we, if people keep working on it and you if you're open-minded to it i think that that's the best thing and i think that's the most important thing that we can encourage is just for people to be open-minded about it trying to learn because there's things we're not i know for myself um giving being given the ante of the year i got a, a beautiful the beautiful blanket and i had went to one of um, the newer performers, younger performers, I'll say, and I had simply asked, you know, how do we, how do I, being given this ante of the year, how do I acknowledge this younger generation in a, in a respectful way? And I learned the word nibbling, N-I-B-L-I-N-G, which is the parallel to sibling, but you're using it to acknowledge your nieces and your nephews without using a specific gender. So that's one thing I tried to use in my, that's something I was able to be taught. So I tried to teach other people that word. We have yet to have a two-spirit auntie in our camp. So we do, we also do life spas, retreat camps for girls in foster care or two-spirit. Uh, so far, we haven't had any sign up, <laughs> even though I'm I'm putting it on the registration form. But I just, yeah, I just think it's going to be such a cool camp. Have you had any experience with having a camp for young drag queens? There's actually a camp that has been operating here for quite a few years, actually. It's um, Camp Aurora, Aurora as in the, the Aurora Borealis lights. So check that out, Camp Aurora. They do a camp every year. They have different peers and people come in, help them out with that. Just all kinds of things too. The other thing too is the community is so, it's it's getting so different where it's, there's so many mainstream things that are happening. Like we're, we're doing so many more daytime events such as like there's brunches that are happening. Like Club 200 here for Pride, we do a complimentary pancake breakfast. So there's always different ways too that you can incorporate. Our Pride celebrations now uh, include a, uh, a children's stage so they're trying to become more family oriented and so i think that's important too and i think that's where you'll find these aunties will come out hopefully you know and it, it's like i said it's not something that i looked at or thought about myself as and it even like listening to melissa and talking about me it's kind of like i never look at myself like that i just do my thing i'm grateful that i have an opportunity to affect people's lives in a positive way and i'm grateful for that and that's what i just continue to that's what I live for. That's what makes me continue to want to do what I'm doing. Yeah, I even felt included. And I'm not even like gay or anything. When you invited me to be one of the, the straight judges for the Emmys Club 200, that was like one of the biggest things I ever did for Winnipeg. Yes. I was like, oh my God, this is like a dream come true. And it felt so inclusive and amazing. And that's why I've always thought Club 200 is this wonderful oh. safe space. And I hope it never, I hope it, I hope it just gets bigger and bigger. And I'm really glad to see that it's transitioning into like this mainstream family oriented event and that people aren't going to be like, you know what, drag's like a, a nightclub nighttime only thing. You know, they're hiding in the dark. They're running into the club undercover with all their makeup on. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a daytime event and it should be celebrated every day yeah we had story time with the kids at the uh wow. at the art gallery which was awesome <laughs>
<laughs> getting up on a Saturday morning at nine o'clock to paint is definitely. <laughs> so after all these years, do you still like love the makeup process? Oh, you know what? I missed the one thing through COVID that was really tough is not being around people. Of course, I am so I'm socially. I need to see people, and a couple of things happened in my life the last few while, little while, and so it just it was a very. Um, it was interesting to not be around people, but I miss I miss the painting. I miss the excitement. Like I said, I got to do a podcast with Dragon the Peg, and so that was in early on in the pandemic. So I, I got to do Dragon from my balcony, which was neat. And then also um, here at Club 200. And like I, t- I said, we're more like a community center. I don't even know how to explain us. Cause, but anyways, we had uh, we wanted to do something for our, our clientele. Because the other thing too about our, our community is with the support systems that we provide, when you take it away, it's really scary. And I know like for myself, I know I'm a performer and I, you know, I work here, but to not be able to check in on people is a very scary thing. And working here for over 20 years, these people are like my family. So I wasn't able to check in on my family. And that's, that was a very difficult part too, but also being able to dress up and entertain them and make people smile. So we did, we did, a, uh, we had our DJ, DJ Dano came out and spun some tunes. I danced around. We were social distanced. This is when we were teaching people about how to use the hand sanitizer and all that. Like, you know, it was so much fun and people were just so appreciative of it. But yeah, so now every time getting to do drag during the pandemic has been fun, but it's also sad because you're like, oh, I miss these people so much. And it's been interesting, let me tell you. I bet. Yeah, I see that uh, Winnipeg's been under code red for the past little while and they're going to make a decision soon as to whether or not things can start to slowly go back to normal. Mm-hmm. But that's probably for the best. I mean, we're here in America where they just don't care about us. <laughs> we haven't even closed. Like we've been open the whole time. Like there's bars open right now. We've been watching you. <laughs> it's right? right. It's insane. It's totally insane. So I'm in Missoula, Montana right now and yes. it's still it's bad here still, but mo- like I was in Phoenix and they're the worst in the world. Worst in the world. Yeah. I think our percentage of positivity rate was under 10%. I think it's at 9% right now. We're moving in the, the right direction. Yeah, we did not get as much of knock on wood as, as bad as it could have got. We did actually the best, I think, in the entire country with exception to the Maritimes. But yeah, we did really well and people were just really serious about it. But again, I think Manitoba is a very large Indigenous population. Our Northern communities were so good. They were so on the ball. They were not allowing people to go past a certain parallel in our, in our, in our province, if you see how we're laid out. They were not allowing people on the highway. People were not allowed to fly out. The North stayed so COVID clear for so long. It was, and then when it hit, it did hit really unfortunate, but they were doing so good. And I mean, our whole province did really good, but our Northern communities really did good. And when they did have outbreaks up there, the community really came together and we're supporting that family. And making, yeah, so it's it's so different to see things, how things happen, well, don't happen because you're not seeing it here in Winnipeg. But when you're in smaller communities, I'm sure they're, it's, it's such a different feeling. It's all Yeah, of, that, that makes me happy to hear that, you know, our population up there wasn't impacted the way the populations down here, like the Navajo Nation was completely ravaged by the virus. You know, like I personally know two people who survived. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. Because of last year, let's pretend, let's pretend that it goes away as fast as it came. And suddenly in July, things are normal again. What are you looking forward to this year? Well, I think um, the thing I'm looking forward to most for sure is Pride. I'm looking forward to celebrating Pride here in Winnipeg. And I think it's just because we didn't do it last year that I miss it even more. Like we really had, we had a virtual Pride. It was just a different feeling. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing people, but I also know that the world is not going to just change and come back to the way I expect it to be. So I'm also going to have to be, we're going to have to be a little bit sensitive. And that's why I think it's going to be a little different opening here then you guys like if you we don't even have the bars open like i'm the literally all by myself <laughs> with one person in here and i'm at the club 
<laughs> you know what I mean? We haven't been open since October 17th. We've been closed. So it's really tough to, uh, I, I just want to be, I, I just want to be around people. I want to see the people that I haven't seen. I want to perform. I want to entertain. This upcoming year too, I've got a couple of projects that are coming up. I have something to do with a fashion show. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to, I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, coming up with some merchandise. So that'll be kind of cool. Oh, cool. Uh, so <laughs> I'm trying to think of things and, you know, people are always telling me different ideas and whatnot of things to try and where to branch out. It's, that's just not me, but you know what? It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. So I'm going to do some little fun projects this summer. I definitely want to get back to Phoenix in the, in the near future because I miss going, I miss traveling and I miss seeing people. So I'm hoping to see a lot of my old friends that I haven't seen in a while and just be outdoors. Winnipeg has beautiful weather in the summer. So I'm looking forward to being outside again. We've had a really mild winter, but I'm ready for the next step of this. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to be coming back last summer, but I'm hoping to make it by the fall because I don't want to put anybody on edge, you know, being here in COVID central and trying to fly back to Winnipeg and make everybody nervous. Nobody will want to hang out with me. So I think I'm going to wait till like fall, I think. I, I hope that you guys get back on track because I know that even on like Aboriginal Day or Indigenous Day that it's called now, um, I've seen like a huge party at Club 200, you know, like it's really, it's a really oh, beautiful yeah. thing to see how they support. Yeah. You know, our city in, as a whole is it's like, um, Melissa, I'm so glad you're not seeing it. It's really, it's sad. It really is sad. Like I live in an, on a 12th floor in an apartment complex. We used to be neighbors. Yeah, so that, that's right. We were in the same building. But to see how it looks outside, like it's so, like there's no no cars. There's no traffic. There's no, it looks like a Sunday, like a Sunday afternoon. It's, it's spooky. So hopefully we can get back to this. And, you know, like I said, my biggest thing is it's, um, it's seeing the people checking up on our customers and our, and the people who have, you know, been here for 20 years, making sure that they're okay. And, you know, it's, it's, you can do what you can do through social media. I am not a strong social media person. So that's why it's really tough during this time to, for me to try and stay in contact. So I've done, like I said, those couple things. And, you know, I did the countdown at New Year's Eve. So I thought, hey, some people can see me there. And <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's, we're ready for this to be over. Let me tell you. <laughs> Bad, all those bingos that people missed. Holy smokes. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I've gone from like <laughs> Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting and it used to be running across town from different meeting to different meeting and then and we'd always end up at a park for a picnic or something like that and I just I miss I miss community like in-person community. This is good. This is beautiful. And I get a lot from visiting with Melissa virtually, but it's so much better when we hang out in person. Yeah. And I really, you know what, I, I've, I kind of took some things for granted before, you know, like I would, there'd be like a, a band in town and I'd be like, oh, I'll just catch them next time. And I'm just going to stay home now. I'm like, I'm not going to do that ever again. I'm going to make every night and every opportunity count. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Anita, for being on the show. And I really look forward to your merch. I think that's a really great idea because you are, like I said, whether or not you want to believe it or hear it, you're an icon. And I would totally buy like Anita anti-like anti status, you know, like we're talking, you're up there now. Yeah, I'm getting up to an age too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sell like it. We need span uh, special yoga pants for our Bannock bums. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's where you would have the symbol right across here. <laughs> I mean, I look at you know like uh, really mainstream like drag queens. I just found out that Trixie Mattel is half Ojibwe. I had no idea. And like, look at the crazy brand that she has created. You know, so do it. Go nuts. Like yeah, you know, I'm gonna have fun with it. Like like I said, you know, I think this is really taught a lot of people a lot about mm -hmm. themselves and I know for myself like it's just been really it's it's mind-altering to be on you know like and, and like I said it's not going to go back to normal tomorrow but it's I don't know it, it's it's even sitting here it just seems so weird to look around and just it's just quiet you know what I mean so it's like we're ready I'm ready <laughs> yeah I totally I, we drove through Vegas during like the major lockdown out there and it was like I'd never seen the strip with no people it was so creepy it was like an apocalypse was going on here's hoping that 2021 at least in the the second half of it we get to some sort of normalcy and the vaccine is like finally out there I mean it's a big day here in America you know the Trump administration's over now we're officially yes. switching over to something different something a bit better you know so oh, I'm, I'm super so hopeful glad. I am so hopeful 
we were just watching it actually it's just over my shoulder we were watching the uh, the inauguration and you know what it's, it's interesting too because regardless of where we are you know which territory we come from i think as people we also we genuinely care about one another like i know for myself it was really disheartening to see and hear some of the things that my friends and family down south are experiencing words can't even express for myself what it, what it was like for us to experience that and so I just want you both to know that like, yeah, people are thinking about the things that you experience, go through and like, you know, change is tough, but it doesn't mean that it's not right. So that's the thing too, right? Like it's just, but anyways, yeah, I hope that uh, things will get better for you guys too. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that love. And where do we have listeners show their love for you? Where can they follow and keep up on your merch? They can find me on Instagram, Anita Stallion. I also have Facebook. I have a fan page, Anita Stallion fan page on Facebook. Or they can uh, just e-transfer money. I take that too. I'm good with that. (laughs) Exactly. Hell yeah. Do you have a PayPal? Do you have a PayPal? It's serious. (laughs) I'm so serious. I'm so serious. We (laughs) will put all of this information in the show. If anyone wants to send money to any of us, (laughs) <laughs> you never know you could have some rich cousins out there i don't know <laughs> exactly stimulus yes. is are coming out again oh, this i can't get over this it was yeah. so much fun thank you so much for having me and you know maybe we'll do this again sometime i don't know <laughs> like i said it's interesting because we're in three different places there's a commonality between us and i think as indigenous people i've Actually, I'll share a little quick thing. I was telling someone, if I was able to today do a science fair project, I would do it on humor within culture. Because I think as Indigenous people, we have a different humor amongst ourselves. We seem to be a very laughing peoples. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I always, I, I would love to talk more about that because how do we get through genocide as people and still find time to make jokes? And the other thing too is, I always found that a lot of times when people, when my family would talk, say something, they'd be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And they'd be like, oh, but not like me. And it's almost like you're making fun of yourself as part of the joke. Like when Melissa was talking about, oh, I feel like I'm a big partier. And I'm like, oh yeah, but you're not the one that showed up with the stitches. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like you make the joke for the person. And I'm good at that. (laughs) Yeah, you got some good ones. I've seen you perform a lot and it's always... It's always really, really funny. Well, I'm so excited to continue following your journey on Instagram. I hope to see you perform one day. I'm looking oh, forward yes. to it. Melissa's moving to Vegas. And- oh, no. When are you moving? Two weeks. Yeah, I'm pretty nervous. I'm really oh. nervous. I'm not, I don't even have one thing packed yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing around on the computer every day. He's like, yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> During COVID, there's so many things I could have done. I'm like, uh, no, I'll do this instead. I'll save that for another day. Just rest. That's what I did. I, I was I was like that too. I was like, okay, I finally have time to do all these projects. And I'm like, I'm just going to rest. <laughs> when is this ever going to happen again where I can just lay around for four days <laughs> in a row and not be feeling guilty about it? Well, New Year's I- Eve was weird. Because I've had every New Year's Eve here at the club. I bet. New Year's Eve during a, you know, virtual. I'm like, oh, happy New Year. And then I'm like, no one kissed. It was the weirdest, weirdest New Year's theater. And then I'm like, I, this, is the, this is where we're at today. You know, like it's such a different. Which just means next year is going to be extra crazy. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. Like, my birthday it. is going to be crazy this year. <laughs> Yes. Are you coming to Winnipeg for it? Well, I'm going to be in Vegas for it. It's on a Monday and I'm turning 40. So it's a big one. And it's August 23rd. So I don't know if that might be too risky for Canada because I'm in the central of the COVID. So we'll see. But I'm definitely going to do like a makeup party in Canada for sure. I haven't seen my parents in so long. This is the longest I've gone without seeing them. And thanks to FaceTime and Zoom, like, thank goodness there's technology because I don't, I worry about them. I tell them, like, don't leave the apartment. Like, I'm so worried about them because they're old and unhealthy and if they get it, that's it, you know? Yeah, I'm taking care of my mom too. She's been she's been really good though. But my mom's somebody well, she's 75, but she's somebody that likes to go out all the time. Now we're playing the game of um, she's like, Oh, you know what I really need? And I'm like, No, you don't <laughs> she's like, You know what I re-? I'm like, No, you can wait, that can wait. <laughs> you know, you don't need cornstarch today. You don't need like she'll pick one odd thing, right? Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> like, no, not good enough. You're staying here. <laughs> right? But hmm. the bad thing about it is here, nobody's out. So then at least she feels like she's not going anywhere. Right? She's not missing out on anything. Yeah. And I'm glad too. My dad, my dad has a little bit of a gambling problem. So I'm glad that the VLTs got shut down for a while and gave him a damn break. <laughs> like, this is a yeah. blessing. <laughs> Let's hope he's not. There's always playnow.com. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> He doesn't even have a phone. There's, he's just so old school. <laughs> Nowadays, all these people are playing bingo online. You just spend the money and they send you a card. I'm like, where did you start this? I'm very surprised. Yeah, yeah well, the NCI bingo is probably still going on the radio. Yes, and then you have our Kinsman Jackpot bingo is the highest it's ever been in the history. It's Whoa. At two, it's at, I think it's at $2 million. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the lotto's crazy here. I was actually just telling my mom today I'm going to buy a ticket because it's almost at a billion. I was like, whoa! You do it. Yeah. Can you buy me a ticket? Yes. Yeah. Can you buy us tickets? Don't worry. If I win, we're all we're okay. all done. We're all done. Whoa. That's amazing. Well, and I'm and it's so funny. I just keep reflecting on like the funny things we have to do now. It's like hmm, cornstarch, and for us, it's like chips or death. <laughs> chips or death what do we need here? right that's i laughed about it but i think it's my response to trauma like it's it's traumatizing right we don't get to have each other and be with each other and and we've talked about that before in previous episodes of like laughing as a response to trauma but it's healing i think and and oh, I did sure. learn a little bit of the neuroscience of it uh, that, you know how they say, you know, if you're not feeling happy or you're feeling sad, like even just smile a little bit because activating those muscles activate the release of hormones. And so it's super interesting to me the way the neuroscience works to support little things that that we do to calm ourselves and laughing. So if if just smiling initiates a, a positive response in our body, I think laughing is like that next step. And so there we go. Indigenousness. <laughs> I feel really good right now. Like just from us laughing and talking, I feel really good. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm grateful that it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your time. We don't want to take up too much of your time. Oh. We, can, we talk and talk. So yeah, you're free to go. You're free to go now. <laughs> Thank you so so much for joining us, Anita. Oh, you're very welcome. Yes. And I'll be sure to, I'll be sure to tell you when my tour is coming through your state. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay. You too, and you take care, Melissa. We'll see you yes. soon. Stay safe. Is she fabulous? Oh, so amazing. Yeah, yeah, you know, I remember, like I said, I've been since I was like 18, I remember Anita Stallion being at the Club 200 and just like rocking the mic. And then it became not just drag shows, but she was there like almost every night doing bingos, just being a host, doing the karaoke's, like she was just always there. So I felt really comfortable being around her and I became a the radio DJ in the city because I was indigenous. It was like kind of a big deal and I partied there a lot. Like she's seen me in some pretty crazy states. I'm almost on to apologize. Like, sorry if I ever did anything really wild around you. <laughs> well, that's, I love the vibe she carries and, and it's exactly what she talked about. Like what she needed. It was lonely at first. And now it seems like she kind of does what a matriarch does is take people under her wing. And that's true. That's true community. It is. Beautiful. And I'm I'm really sad that I can't be there, but we can't. I mean, the world shut down. What can we do? So I'm hoping that when they get up and running again, I can eventually just go back to Canada, see who all the people that I wanted to see and just enjoy everything that's over there again. Yeah, this this year, what pride was really affected this past year. And I know that here in Phoenix, we have it super early because of the weather, but mm -hmm. it's typically like a summertime thing. And that was like in the midst of it all. So I can't imagine how all the communities have been dealing with not being able to check in, like she said, with their community members to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. Weird. Here's the thing. I get mistaken for a drag queen more than you think. Mm -hmm. I work at a cafe that had drag shows every once in a while. And yeah, they're actually hosted by indigenous drag shows. And at one of them, someone came up to me and was like, so when's the next, uh, when's the next show happening? And when are you going to go up? And I was like, I work here. I'm a waitress. I'm, I'm not one of the drag performers, which is fine. Like I don't get offended by stuff like that because I intentionally have been an exaggerated feminine 
creature. Fabulous. Yeah, yes. thank you. But I do identify as she, her, and I, I am styled after drag queens. Divine is my ultimate, my ultimate muse, I guess you could say, with the extreme eyebrows and eyeshadow and just a, a big crazy personality. Because it just always appealed to me. Because I just seemed like a regular girl was just kind of boring to me. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm a regular girl. I don't really fit in with how this society um, I guess envisions girls to be and they're just kind of boring to me and I was when I saw like a real crazy drag queen like divine I was like that's it that's mm -hmm. the kind of girl I want to be even though obviously divine was a man dressed as a woman I was like that's how I want to be though I feel like I'm a woman who's kind of in drag sometimes because I like to accentuate and exaggerate my features and I'm just bigger than life I always felt my my entire life so I identify as she her but I'm also kind of like a drag queen and i get that a lot because i do have big hair if anybody ever met me there the right away they're just like whoa <laughs> i'm like this is just how i look every day mm -hmm. you know like it's it's a it's a it's a big look it's a big look yeah and it's a beautiful a big beautiful and loud look and and that's one Thank of you. the things i remember as a child or as a young girl a teenager is i felt similar i loved the artistry of the mm -hmm. makeup because my parents are artists, so I've seen them work with paints and oils and, and all of these mediums to, to mix and blend. And so I really, I have always really appreciated the artistry of it, especially because paint has the ability to completely transform. And there are days where you don't feel good when you wake up, but after you put your makeup on, you're there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess pronouns for me is more of, it goes into like my name as an identity instead of my gender as an identity. And I don't know if that's like completely correct, but where I've experienced the most derailing in just like normal everyday activities is my name. And so I would like to be just suta and i want them to say my name especially because it's hard and it's indigenous <laughs> yeah you have a legit indigenous name maybe that's why i'm just like melissa's my name for this time of my life that i'm having this ex human experience but i don't feel like it's an indigenous it doesn't like, really identify me but you have that experience where it does which is awesome Mm -hmm. And I get and why it, you would want to be just called Suta. Yeah. And I would prefer like in big meetings where people talk about like the statement you made and they back it up with saying, well, if you listen to her, she said, I think it's kind of like asserting, especially because I'm in rooms where I'm the only Indigenous person. I want to make sure that I'm as loud as possible, especially if I'm the only one. And then also make it clear, like, again, like, I do on these podcasts like I'm just representing the view of one single Indian and I'm pretty loud about it and sometimes shy it depends I'm getting to know the crowd every time they say my name they're kind of forced to recognize an indigenous language an indigenous person whereas if they're saying she or her it's not as empowering for me mm -hmm. totally get it your presence yeah that's wow that just clicked in my head I make a visual presence on people. I've, this is what I've noticed throughout my life. You know, like people, I'll introduce myself to people and they won't really listen, but they'll be like, who are you again? We, we saw you there. Or, I saw you at this thing. Or I remember you from this because I saw you from blah, 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 blah. Like they, they, they see me. They just don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense because yeah. I have a big crazy look totally and I I think if I saw you like at Walgreens or something like that I would remember you as that girl with great lipstick and um <laughs> yeah I think I would remember that first mostly because I don't wear lipstick very often it's mostly my eyes that are done and I every time I I don't know I'm weird with lipstick and fingernail polish like <laughs> I told you that time I painted my nails and I was driving and I thought there was a bug on my and <laughs> because I'm wow. so used to my nails being clear, right? And I had like a blue or a, a darker color on. It just tripped me out to see out of the my peripheral vision, like something solid there. And so it's like what you see when you look at yourself, right? I have lipstick yeah. on today. I have, I have makeup on every day, even in, in a pandemic. Like if you can't see, you can see me right now, but this is like, this is my home makeup. It's still quite a bit, still quite a bit.
And people always say, you know, I get, sh I've been shamed a lot too for wearing makeup. It's natural beauty that counts or you don't have to do that. And I'm just like, I know I don't have to do that. I want to do this. I've always enjoyed do this, doing this. I grew up in a house where no one wore makeup. My mom doesn't even wear makeup, you know? So I was just naturally gravitated towards it. It all started with gem in the holograms. You know, there's just these overly like empowered superhero-esque women and that's kind of like how I saw drag queens too. It was like, but they were like in the real world out there. And I mm -hmm. thought, wow, that's how mm -hmm. I want to be. So I'm really glad that we had that talk today. Yeah, I and, think there's um, so much we can follow up on. Yeah, I like where this is going. I, I like where everything is going with, with the inclusivity. And I know there's a lot of labels and I know it, it tends to intimidate a lot of people. I myself had to like go on online and school myself because... There's, there's been a lot of encounters, especially where I work. I work in a pretty, pretty open environment. Like I work in a gay owned cafe. We have drag shows or we did before the pandemic and we, we help a lot of queer families in need. And there's always an event benefiting, you know, this organization and that. And I've had to come to know a lot of these different labels and mm -hmm. check myself too at times. I work with a trans woman too, and I'm learning a lot about trans community now. I've never actually known someone quite closely who was trans and, and their personal experience and how everybody's experience is completely different. You know, you can't just mm -hmm. generalize. And that's unfortunately kind of what I did before, but I, yeah, I'm learning. Well, that's what know? we're taught. That's what we're taught to do. And mm -hmm. it's, it's up to us to, to unteach ourselves to yeah. take each new experience or person or relationship as a, as a brand new, this is what it is. Yeah. And I've never tended to listen to like the perceptions of other people about other people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll, I'll get to know them myself. Like I never really knew a trans person before, like in like closely, you know? So this is like a, a new thing for me. I've hung out with them and I've encountered them as acquaintances, but I've never like personally gotten to know someone and what they go through and stuff like that. And it's completely opened my mind to just all of the, the, the entire world that they mm -hmm. live in. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way to learn yeah. experience and stories. Totally. Empathy. It's empathy, people. Yeah. Exercise. It's a, I think it's something we need to exercise. We need to, just like they say, kindness is a muscle and you need to exercise it. I think empathy is that stepping stone to being compassionate in, in another person's experience. Yes. And we have to exercise our empathy because we typically i don't think we're designed to be empathetic to another person's experience unless we're friends with them totally that's how that's how i've been but i'm changing it and it's awesome <laughs> yeah that's and that's the way to go into it that's what i was preparing myself for more more so because i got so distracted by her beautiful looks like i would gravitate fabulous and so we didn't even get to talk makeup tips or favorite look or anything like that what i want to but um we should in the next episode because i think we just established yeah you know, what we wanted to talk about it like almost in a serious on a serious level but there's so much more to drag than it's it's fun and i think that's essentially where the spirit of it came from was because i in my experience, getting dressed up is really fun. And it's a really positive way for me to start my day, which is why I do that. I don't, I don't do it. Like I literally will put on makeup if I'm going nowhere. I don't care. It's the experience of getting ready and taking care of myself and grooming myself in that way. That makes me feel really, really good. Really good. And that's what we got to leave you with today. Listeners. My grandpa always said, it doesn't matter what you have on your schedule or where you're going, you wear your best shirt put on your moccasins if you're going to be presenting and you look good even if your schedule's clear because you don't know what's happening so i try to follow that beautiful thank you for listening to episode 14 have a good one